Welcome to another episode of the Auburn Football Podcast. We've got spring ball superlatives, list, etc. All things we need to know heading through portal season and leading into the summer. Let's get right to it. All right, so your boys had um, two glasses of wine, and I've got a full outline. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this thing efficient. Um, that's the goal. I'm usually not good at that, but we're gonna see if I can get that done. And I'm gonna let it loose, man. I'm gonna let it rip. Um, so we're gonna jump right into this thing. Here's what I've got. Okay. Again, we're kind of recapping and and putting to bed the spring ball season. So that's practice, A-Day, all that. We've kind of done some of that already, but um, I've got all kind of different categories and lists. Uh, We're going to talk about the transfer portal and what we might can accomplish uh, there over the next few weeks and through the summer. And a couple other things as well. I've got um, dumbest takes of the off season so far. I think that'll be a fun one uh, for people that pay attention. So um, let's, again, let's get right to it. I've got a couple of things here. I'm going to go in order. It's kind of going like good to bad, um, but that's okay. So um, first list, all right, we're going to go top performers of spring ball, all right? Um, I kind of separated these out like top performers and top newbies, um, so you're not going to hear a lot of like newcomers here in this list, but top performers, these are in order, in my opinion, okay? I've got Jarquez Hunter, number one. Um, Hugh Freeze came out and said that Jarquez is the best back that he's coached, and um, the offense should and I would imagine will be centered around Jarquez Hunter this fall, no matter who the quarterback is, Okay. Um, we saw in a day, um, you know, kind of what that could potentially look like. Um, we saw diversity in the run game. We saw a better offensive line. I think some of that is actually attributed to a better scheme, uh, in the run game. And let's just even, you know, quick pause right there. My first inefficient, you know, part of this whole podcast today, but you know, going back to last year. Okay. Once caddy came in and they reshaped the offense completely, they basically removed the passing game altogether other than like play actions off of uh, run concepts that they had already run in that game. Um, I mean, we were running freaking wing T stuff at the end of the day, and it was effective, right? We mixed up our run game. We had variability in the run game. We attacked via front side power. We had, you know, inside zone, outside zone, split zone. We had counter, right? We had quarterback run game. We had end around, you know, misdirection uh, type things. We had, you know, varied formations. All of that, our run game basically exploded, right, at that point. You can do that and still have some semblance of a passing game. I mean, God forbid that was basically Gus Malzahn's type strategy. If you watch, if you really go watch Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, you know, I think the, the, Stigma around Lane Kiffin as an offensive coach, play caller, etc. Their program is that they throw the ball a lot. They really don't. They ran the ball for 400 yards against us last year, right? You go watch it. They're running the ball in different ways. They're attaching RPO to their run scheme, etc. I think what we're going to do this year between Hugh Freeze, obviously Philip Montgomery, and what we want to do, try to accomplish at the quarterback position, personnel, depending, obviously. 
we're going to lean on our running back room. And we got some really good running backs, and Jarquez is really, really good. I said last year that he was better than Tank. I think that's still true. He's he's better all around. He's a better pass catcher. Um, he doesn't go down automatically. All right, and I know that's kind of a weird thing to hear in reference to Tank Bigsby, but I'm just telling you, you go watch the tape. Jarquez gets every inch <laughs> that he possibly can. Contact balance, you know, quote unquote, it's a cool thing to say. He has outstanding contact balance. When people hit him, he stays up, right? He keeps the legs moving. He keeps going. Um, super excited about him. I think he was probably just again from from reports, from hearing whispers, from reading between the lines, all of the above. Jarquez Hunter to me seemed like the most consistent top level perf- performer throughout the spring. The only person that was close, in my opinion, uh, was the next person on my list, number two, which is Keontae Scott. Keontae Scott is a true first-round potential, all right, NFL draft pick um, from the secondary, okay? He can play multiple positions. He can play on the outside and run man-to-man zone coverage. He can play in the slot, which is, again, I've said it over and over again, I think that's the most difficult position on the football field to play well uh, is that slot defender, uh, nickel corner, whatever you want to call it. Um, He's extremely physical. He's got really good traits. He's explosive, fast. He's got pretty good ball skills. The only times he really lost last year in, in situations were when, you know, at the end of the day, the quarterback made a good throw and the receiver made a good catch, you know. But I never saw him with, like, an issue where he wasn't playing through the ball or couldn't track the ball downfield or couldn't find the ball, you know, whatever. It was just, you know, look, sometimes sometimes that happens. And the way that people are able to, um, you know, run passing offense nowadays, with the exception of Auburn, uh, unfortunately, sometimes that happens. Again, I think he was a leader. I think he was consistent uh, performer in practice, you know, drills, etc. Um, I think he was our second best performer throughout spring. Okay, number three also comes from the secondary. It's going to be DJ James, outside corner. Um, you know, depending on what Ron Roberts likes to do, to me, with his length and his you know kind of pressing ability and his physicality at the line of scrimmage, we saw it last year once he got like more and more in the lineup. Um, DJ James is the type of guy that if we really wanted to try, okay, I'm not going to say he, he could just be assigned to a receiver and shut him down for an entire game, but if we wanted to try that, right, where if we were going up against, and I can't even think about guys off the top of my head. I mean, the receiver class, I mean, there's so many transfers, but – um, I mean, you think about Georgia, you got Ra Ra and Dominic. You know, I wouldn't imagine that would be a scenario. Alabama doesn't really have a guy right now that stands out. Ja'Cory Brooks, maybe. Um, A&M, you know, um, I can't – I mean, maybe their guy, I uh, can't remember his name. Um, but he was good as a fr- true freshman last year. Um, I'm, I'm really actually struggling to think about, you know, like a standout number one bona fide receiver that we're going to face next year. But – all that to say, if we were going to use that strategy, DJ would be the guy that we would assign. If we were to say, "Hey, look, we're gonna, you're gonna follow him to the bathroom, you're gonna follow him, you know, wherever he goes, we want you to shut him down." DJ would be that guy. He talks shit. He is physical. He um, doesn't give up on plays, and he's never. Pro- I would imagine he's not gonna test the best, right? But he's that. He's that cover corner with long arms who 
you know, is probably going to run in like a four five zero type range. If he ran in the four fours, he might be a first rounder. If he runs four five seven, he might be a second rounder. I would imagine. But if he has a really good year next year, again, he's another player in our secondary that could put him position to be a first round pick in the NFL. And I, I mean, that's awesome. So, uh, from again, same thing as Keontae from everything I heard, um, you know, this spring he was the top performer and that's, uh, that's really exciting. So he's number, he's number three on the list. Uh, number four, and I've got five here for top performers. Number four is going to be Marcus Harris. Um, you know, these guys, these top performers, these are guys that have been in the program a little bit. Marcus Harris, this is going to be, what, his third year. So uh, huge transfer pickup from from Kansas of all places. You know, he's a Montgomery native. Um, his first year was a little bit better than, than his second year, which was last year. Um, you know, sometimes that's injury. Sometimes that's schematics. You know, you never really know exactly. But um, I think with where we're going to use him, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I think with where we're going to use him a little bit, you know, a little bit more outside as in three technique outside short of the guard or four eye, maybe inside short of the tackle or five head up the tackle is going to utilize his athleticism and explosiveness that I think is his best trait as a 300 pound defensive lineman uh, to be able to penetrate and cause havoc in the backfield. And honestly, this is me booging a little bit, I think, um, I expect really big things from Marcus Harris this year. Um, you know, he could put himself in a, in a position to be, you know, a decent draft pick, I think, with uh, some of the things that he's able to do. I think he's strong at the point of the attack. I don't think he gets displaced a lot, even when he's on the inside. Um, and I think, again, like I said, he's he's athletic. He's a perfect kind of prototype three technique, in my opinion. And he's a guy that you want to shoot up field and and cause things to happen in the backfield. I think he's going to have a, a, a big year. So Marcus Harris, number four. And then the last guy to round out top performance has got to be Camden Brown. Um, the caveat here is that I don't think we have a lot of good receivers. <laughs> so um, now we have some pass catchers. I think Rivaldo Fairweather, and we'll talk about him, you know what I mean, in terms of options like one, two, three, in terms of, you know, pass catchers that we have on the football team. Um you know, I think Rivaldo's up there. Obviously, I think Javarius Johnson is going to be up there. But, you know, in the receiver room, I just don't think we have a ton of options. So Camden Brown is going to be a guy that I think our quarterbacks are consistently going to gravitate towards uh, in the pass game because I think they have confidence in him that he'll make them look good, right? It's uh, inaccurate ball or maybe he, he's not totally open or whatever the situation is. If you throw it near him, there's going to be a pretty good chance that he comes down with the ball. Um, everybody likes Camden. You know, I liked him even as a recruit. You know, we talked about him versus um, Darius. Oh, uh, gosh, what's the guy's name that ended up going to Michigan? They were in on for a while, and it seemed like we kind of brought Camden in after that other kid went to Michigan, right? Um, but I liked Camden a little more than I liked that kid just based on what they did in high school. So, um, you know, my comp for him way back then was like a DeAndre Hopkins light. I think that's still a pretty good comp. I think that's how he plays. Um, so super excited and hopeful, I guess, is probably a better word to use for Camden that things line up for him this year and he's able to show what he can do. Um, but I think he was a pretty consistent performer this spring from videos I saw again, things I read, et cetera, that, that he was, he was doing the things that I think we all want and hope for him. Um, so those are the top five performers of the spring, Jarquez, Keontae, DJ, Marcus, and Camden from the receiver position. All right. Um, 
I'd be interested to see if somebody made a top five list of top performers, if, um, you know, specifically really kind of leaning towards guys that are, you know, that have been in the program prior to the spring would be interesting for me to see if anybody has a different list than that, or even a, just a different, like another, another group of players uh, other than those five. So I think those are pretty, pretty good. All right. So the next category here is going to be risers. So again, kind of slanted towards guys that had been in the program prior to this spring, uh, because that's kind of the only way you can actually rise up. Obviously we're going to have some newcomers. I'll talk about them in a second, but um, guys that kind of, I would say, elevated their stock from, you know, where they were either a semester or a year ago. Um, three kind of young guys here. My number one guy is going to be Robert Woodyard. Um, you know, he was actually the scout team player of the year last year, which I think is a huge deal. Um, obviously, that was a, you know, kind of a former coaching regime, and, and those guys are, are making some of the, those decisions. Maybe player leaders were involved as well. But from what I saw, again, in video footage from practice and then in a day he's got those like feet at the linebacker position that tell me that he's got a ton of power and explosiveness and it's one of those things that it's kind of hard to you know I don't know if this is like on a NFL scouting list you know what I mean like if you're looking at the linebacker position is it like light feet you know what I mean if is that on there probably not I don't know but it's something that catches my eye. Um, you know, if you're a kind of an older school Auburn guy and you remember Trey Blackman and you remember, um, there's actually, it's probably still on YouTube. There was this scouting video, high school scouting video of this dude breaking down like some of his top players in Trey Blackman's class when he graduated high school. Trey Blackman obviously was a guy that he singled out. If you go watch Trey Blackman's high school tape, it's like, it's like, it's almost hard to describe. It's like he doesn't weigh even 200 pounds. It's like he's got the strength of who he is as a, like a 200 pound person, but he's in, he actually weighs like 150 pounds. It's like his feet are just so light and he's just like off the ground all the time. Woodyard's got some of that. Like he's, he's very off the ground. He's very light on his feet. However, he packs some punch when he's, you know, tackling or even, you know, coming up to the line of scrimmage and kind of fighting off blocks, things of that nature. Now, in the A-Day game, I saw him get, you know, kind of worked up on the second level and, and a little bit, you know, pushed around by some offensive linemen. I think that's something that he'll get better at. He's not a small guy. He's probably six foot, six one, and 230 plus. So it's not like, you know, his true mass is going to be an issue, I think. Um, but his athleticism for his size, I think, is really special. And we saw him make that play in 8A when he diagnosed the the slip screen. We talked about it, and he, uh, you know, just demolished Brian Batiste. So from what I re- – again, kind of the same stuff I've been saying. All the info I gathered from spring practice and then what I see him, how he moves and how he plays football – um, I'm really excited about Robert Woodyard, and I kind of want him to be our number one linebacker. So uh, we'll talk more about him as we move forward. Uh, my number two riser is actually Damari Alston. I just think he's good, man. Like last year when he touched the ball, nothing bad really happened, and he made some good plays as a true freshman. As a guy who I think people think are not is not very good. Um same thing happened in A-Day. He gets the ball and he finds the hole. I think he's got good vision. He's got really good feet 
you know, we talked about feet, um, kind of choppy agility, just quick, efficient, being able to say, okay, that's where I want to go. I can go there right now. Now he's not explosive necessarily. Um, he's not big. He's probably not going to do great in the passing game. I would imagine he's probably not going to do great in like the pass protection game. Um, but when you give him the ball and there's something to be had, he's going to get it and he's going to get everything. I think, um, I really like who he is as a, as a player. I think he's a great ambassador for Auburn as well. And, you know, he's just a guy that's going to keep working, I think, and he'll get the second most carries from the running back position this, this, uh, this fall. Jeremiah Cobb is a true freshman coming in as well. Him and Batie, I think will will compete for some similar roles in terms of just like, you know, explosive situations or pass catching potentially, you know, depending on what Jeremiah Cobb can do return game, obviously. Um, but I think in terms of like true, if you talk about like early down backs, you know, it's Jarquez and it's, it's Damari Austin. And then you have situational guys like Batie and Cobb that can come in and do some some different things. So I thought Austin was really good at a day. I think he's going to be just a consistent performer. And I think his stock rose uh, throughout this spring. So he's number two for me. And then number three is actually Micah Riley Ducker. And that's, that's probably a little bit um, obscure. You know, he didn't do anything at a day. Not a lot of people did, especially in the passing game. Um, But, you know, I heard some things, I heard some things and he's got a frame and he's got kind of um, a clay that you could mold, you know, that kind of situation where, He's got some kind of intrinsic athletic ability where he can run fast and jump high and that kind of thing. He's long. He's got like a really good frame. Um, he's a little different really than guys we have in our room. He's probably built more similar to like Tyler Fromm than anybody else. And I think Tyler Fromm is actually a decent tight end. We just have a ton of them, right? But um, I think Micah Raleigh Ducker is going to be a guy that is going to develop into somebody that can give us some really advantageous situations uh, in terms of matchups. Um, especially as Hugh Freeze kind of, he, he and Philip Montgomery kind of developed this scheme where it's, you know, these tight ends are very, you know, um, in certain situations, they're like why, you know, tight ends kind of attacking the slot in the middle of the field and blocking on the perimeter. And then sometimes they're kind of H move, you know, situations where the tight ends might get involved in the screen game. We saw them try to do that a little bit to Rivaldo from kind of that sniffer H back position. Um, you know, out of the shotgun kind of alignment there. Um, I think Michael Riley Ducker is going to find some roles and it may even be this year. Um, so I think he was a riser, you know, again, kind of similar to like Damari Austin. I, th- I just think he's a guy that gets looked over quite a bit. Um, and I think he's going to put himself in a position to be a good Auburn football player. So those are the three guys, Robert Woodyard, Damari Austin, Michael Riley Ducker there. They were in my risers category. The next category is our uh, top newbies. So newcomers, um, I was trying to be as like stringent and what would be the word? Stringent and mm, like non-boogish, I guess, as possible. Like what am I going to do? Say that every newcomer came in, like every newcomer came in and did something good at some point. Okay. Like everybody did. Um, but I was trying to be pretty strict here, and I, I narrowed it down basically, all right, to five guys, all right. My number one top newbie, Rivaldo Fairweather. There's a few reasons for that. Um, one, I think he's going to be number two on our team in receptions. 
Um, so I think that's important, especially as a newcomer, right? Uh, the other thing was, is, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like you, you bring a guy in, whether it's a true freshman, early enrollee or a Juco guy or a transfer, right? And you have an idea of who this player is and who they can be in your program, in your scheme, that kind of thing. Rivaldo seemed to prove that he is who anybody who watched his tape hoped and thought he could be, which is a supremely athletic, large, awesome football player that can do a lot of different things. He can block a little bit. He can, you know, run and down the middle of the field and catch the ball in traffic in between three guys. You can lob it up to him and he can jump out of the gym and reach up with one big paw and and pull it down. You can throw it to him in space and he's going to be hell for somebody to come up and tackle in the flat off of like an RPO or something like that. He is going to be a problem and I'm so excited. Um, So he's number one, all right, on my top newbie. And he was probably, I know he was in my top three, right, when we talked about guys coming in. So I know my top three was some variation of Keldrick Falk, Kay and Lee, and Rivaldo Fairweather, um, but he may have been number one. So um, it's just it's just good when people kind of prove out what you think they could be. Uh, number two, a little bit, again, obscure or maybe different, but top newbie, Avery Jones, the center, dude. Come on. Like, there's a couple of things here. You can give a hat tip to all the other, you know, incoming offensive linemen, obviously the left tackle Dylan Wade, the right tackle Gunnar Britton, even the backup right tackle Isaiah Miller. We talked about him with the A-Day. I liked what I saw from him. Um, but in terms of just like top overall newbies, dude, having a guy like him at center that can snap the ball, block somebody in front of him, not get pushed back into the quarterback, right? That interior, that interior pass rush, that interior pressure is – by far the toughest thing for a quarterback to deal with, okay? Um, but beyond that, snap the ball, secure, you know, kind of the, the gap in front of you, but also reach or also work up or maybe pull. Avery Jones can do all those things. He is a very good player. Could be an early draft pick. We're going to see some guys in this this year's NFL draft uh, just in a couple of days. John Michael Smith's. You're going to see Steve Avila, who played center two years ago from TCU, played guard last year. You're going to see Joe Tipman, who is a 6'6 center, who might play guard in the NFL just because he's so tall from Wisconsin. Um, you're going to see some interior offensive line linemen go pretty early in this year's draft. Luke Weipler from Ohio State. Um, centers, are they don't grow on trees, man. You know, They don't grow on trees. And so if he does, again, kind of what he's been showing and what – you know, I think he might be able to do, he could be a draft pick, like a legitimate draft pick, you know, and when I say stuff like that, it's like, yeah, Auburn should always have draft picks. Well, we, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't had draft picks like, you know, and we've had some, um, you know, our last early one obviously was Derek Brown and we'll kind of see, you know, how this year goes and we'll see how next year goes. But, you know, some of these guys, man, I think, Without again, without booking too hard, I think we have some guys on this team that could be early, early draft picks um, when their when their year is called. You know, you think about next year. Obviously, we talked about Keontae and DJ being potential first round guys. Could Avery Jones be a first round center? I don't know, but 
I mean, if he's a top five center in his in his draft class, he's going to probably be a top three round pick, right? So if he's a you know day one, day two pick, that's pretty damn good, right? So he's my number two top newbie. Number three is going to be it's probably a tie. Uh, the two true freshmen. Uh, I'm going to put K and Lee here at number three. Obviously, Keldrick will have his moment in a second, but um, man, I mean, you know, K and Lee is it's one of those things where you know, sometimes you'll you'll have, and we'll talk about some of this more in a second, but sometimes you'll have people that, what do they say? Um, luck means where opportunity and, and preparation meet or something like that. You could look at Kay and Lee and be like, man, you know, he got kind of, uh, kind of a lucky draw this spring because J.D. Rim got banged up, kind of forced Kay and Lee to get a lot more action there. Um but Kay and Lee was pushing before that. Kay and Lee is supremely talented and was making a ton of waves, making a lot of buzz. And then JD Rim got hurt. And now Kay and Lee was getting some first team looks, right? And taking advantage of it. Kay and Lee is very, very good. The only thing he doesn't have is, is you know, legit size, legit length. Give me one second. I'm going to pause and come right back. Okay, good. Uh, talk to the wife. We're good to go. So, Kay and Lee, again, just kind of rounding out that point. Everybody knows he's really good. Very exciting. I, I love what I saw, again, on A-Day. I think, we again, we covered that. Um, again, between how he did performance-wise in practice, what I saw with my own eyes from videos and A-Day, number three, top, top newbie, okay, uh, for spring ball. Number four, again, Keldrick Falk, you know, the other true freshman. Kind of another similar situation where it's like, I mean, you got the opportunity, man. You know, um, Elijah McAllister's not great. Um, you know, you've got Dylan Brooks in there that just hadn't seemed to figure it out. I mean, what what more? I mean, those are the guys at your position. Go have at it, you know. Um, I liked what I saw A-Day. He's huge. Uh, I, I still think in terms of it, like an elite burst off the line and pass rush and all that that's never something that's going to be his most you know prominent asset as a football player you look at some guys coming out like Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech who's probably going to be a freaking top five draft pick this year um you know you think about length 6'6 275 Tyree Wilson has like 36 inch arm length or something like that it's like you know left tackle arm length Keldrick Falk could be somebody like that where it's just kind of a he's just a long powerful type rusher um, so that's who he is, right? He's not, he's not Miles Garrett. He's not, you know, um, Khalil Mack. You know, somebody like that, Abosa. But he can be a super long, impactful player along your defensive line. Um, and I'm, you know, everybody's excited about him. My last guy here, top newbie, Messiah Nasili Kite, man. Like, just a really good football player. And it was one of those again where his film, you know, or I say film his you know, highlights or whatever I was able to gather. I guess technically I did watch his film because I was just watching his games. That's all you had really, but look good. He's got burst. Um, you know, there are things and, you know, Cole Pinkston from on three does a really good job breaking some of this stuff down. You know, he talks about his feet, uh, specifically a lot, but as far as just burst and pop off the line, like, dude, if I'm building a team, like if I'm on Madden and I'm going through franchise mode, I'm getting two defensive ends that can absolutely scream, okay? 
and I'm getting two interior guys that are like power pass rush specialists. Okay. Like if you, you can have Aaron Donald at the three technique, you know, Quinn and Williams at the shade, and then you can have like, you know, Hassan Reddick and, you know, Frank Clark or D Ford, you know, just screamers off the edge. Like that's what I want, man. And yeah, you know, maybe throughout the season, you've got to do some different things, you know, rotate some other guys in or do some different things schematically to stop the run on early downs. But once you get into games that matter, you have to be able to rush the passer. And Messiah Nasili Kite can rush the passer, I think, from that three-tech, four-I-five position that he's going to play, him and Marcus Harris. And I think he's going to help us out a lot, man. And so I'm excited about him. So he's my number five top newbie. Um, one, A couple of things that I just wanted to mention that you might be already thinking of here. My top newbies, again, were Rivaldo, Avery Jones, Kay and Lee, Keldrick Fault, Messiah, and Silly Kite. So you may have thought, like, well, some of these things are missing, right? Linebackers. We brought in, what, two or three linebackers, right? Austin Keys, Demario um, Tolan. I guess we only brought in two. You know, from A-Day, Austin Keys. look, I like him, but – you know, he he looked like what I saw at Ole Miss, like not overly physical for his size, a, a good athletic player, but somebody who I don't see making a massive impact. He he makes our linebacker room better, but that's how bad I think our linebacker room was last year. Same thing for Demario Tolan. I think, you know, we've got to use him properly, like a will linebacker, spatial player, chase and, you know, smoke guys and do things like that. Um, but he's going to struggle, I think, when guards, you know, climb to the second level and get their hands on him. Like he, he's going to have to figure out ways to avoid that. We're going to have to figure out ways to avoid that for him as well. Um, the other missing, you know, kind of notable player potentially is Justin Rogers, you know, that nose guard. Um, we'll see what happens, but you know, in a day, I didn't see him, you know, I didn't see him command, you know, I, I didn't see him just dictate what happened at the line of scrimmage and, you know, kind of uh, between the two A gaps. I, didn't, I just didn't see it. So, you know, we'll see. I hope he's I hope he's better than what I've, I kind of saw in A-Day. We had good reports from him uh, throughout spring ball and, and practices. So that kind of means that, you know, maybe there's kind of a mismatch of what my eyes see and what he actually can be or what he actually is. So that's what I'm hopeful for. But just wanted to kind of cover those. It's not like I just forgot about some of these other, you know, you know, new guys that came in. It's just that to me they weren't they weren't standing out. They weren't at the top. Okay. Um, kind of on that same note. Okay, hate being negative, but we got to talk about people that that are trending down. All right. Um, you know, briefly here. Don't want to dive into this, but you know, the trans the guys that transferred out. Of course, they're trending down. Chick Dawson. We talked about it. I, I talked about it after the 8A game. He was the only receiver that did anything, but I talked about it. It's It could be time for him to go, and he did. All right? Uh, you know, Jeffrey Emba talked about it after 8A. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it with him, other than specifically literally using him as a, like a <laughs> outside-in kind of weird player because he just lacks, like, physical, physicality and and kind of domination at the point of attack for where he should play relative to his size. Um, He can't play inside. So, you know, his stock was going to be down, in my opinion, because Messiah Nassili Kai and Marcus Harris were both better than him at his position. Um, 
Same thing with Chick Dawson. I mean, sorry, man, but, you know, if Jay Fair and Javaris Johnson are going to play and you're going to be third, I don't know what we can really do for you, you know. Um, you know, other we had three linebackers transfer out, Powell Gordon. There were whispers of him, or not whispers, but people talked about him moving to the edge. What's well, like, dude, if you're, you know, if you're 6'2", 220, good luck, you know, playing edge. So, mm, I liked him. Um, but if you go all the way back to when, you know, his class was, even Holden Gariner, some a lot of these guys, what I said was is, you know, their ability to be impactful players for Auburn football was going to depend on the Harson experiment. And if it worked out, they would be good players. And if it didn't, you know, kind of the writing was on the wall there. Um, so kind of fairly accurate there as far as Powell Gordon's trajectory. Um, so those, those guys obviously were trending down. The real number one on my list, and some of this may be not fair. We'll see. Um, but J.D. Rim, okay, remember him? Four-star corner, had a pretty good true freshman year, you know, kind of people talking about him. Hey, man, this guy's pretty good. He's long. He's got some traits. Um, He got hurt. Well, now, you know, now, now you got a battle on your hands because D.J. James is number one. Pritchett, you know, is still probably going to be number two, all right? Rim was number three. And these are all outside guys because Keontae Scott's going to play the nickel, and so is Donovan Kaufman a little bit, right? And Caleb Wooden played there a little bit in the spring game. So, and Jalen Simpson, okay? <laughs> you know, so we're, we're just talking about outside corners here. Um, if you're the number four outside corner, you're not going to play a ton, okay? Like, we need you, and you're going to play, but you're not going to play a ton. And if he's surpassed by Kay and Lee, and now you've got these two newcomers, you know, Colton Hood, Tyler Scott coming in in the summer as well, it's going to be tough. So, you know, his his is not trending down necessarily because of, you know, anything he really did other than just having a, a, an injury that, that kind of held him out. He's going to have to work really, really hard. Now, the good thing is for Auburn is that if he works really hard and kind of regains his positioning, that means he put a ton of work in because I know Kay and Lee's working. <laughs> and I would imagine the other two freshmen are working as well. So uh, still hopeful for him, and I think he's a really good football player. But trending down, you can't, I mean, it has to be. Number two, this might be more hopeful than anything else, Zion Puckett. I mean, he's still here. He's been here forever. He's like a 230-pound safety when we have, you know, 215-pound linebackers, okay? Um, he struggles with things that you think a 230-pound safety would struggle with, which is running. Uh, so anything that has to do with running, he's not going to be great at, all right? And that's a lot of football. Um, this is obviously mainly my opinion over the coaches because the coaches still are putting him out there like as a first-team type, you know, leader and safety in the back end. I don't see it. Um, but I say training down because look, Jalen Simpson is the best safety we have. Donovan Kaufman's probably the second best safety. I really like Caleb Wooden. You still have Caden Bridges. You know, Gilbert was out there running around. McDonald was out there running around. Osbury was out there running around. I mean, at the end of the day, man, if, if, if my eyes again, tell me that I like Wooden better, right? I like Coffin better. I like Simpson better. At some point, you'd think that that is going to kind of prove itself out and Puckett's not going to be able to play, right? Or just move him to freaking linebacker at some point. I mean, my gosh. But um, 
Although I saw him play a lot and kind of in that first team role at A-Day, I've just got to think his stock is down because of some other players stepping up. Like Simpson's really good, Wooden, and then obviously Kaufman, you know, as well. Um, my number three group, you know, J.D. Rims, Ion Puckett, my number three here, I kind of grouped two guys together. It's Cam Riley and Wes Steiner. And it's because I just, again, we kind of mentioned it earlier. I think the linebacker group was so bad last year that even though Austin Keys and Demario Tolan came in and Robert Woodyard, I think is you know the top riser from spring ball. I still think this group is not great. And again, you know with Woodyard's ascension, and then even though Keys and um, Demario Tolan, I didn't think were fantastic. Riley and Steiner are worse than those guys, both of them. Okay. I think Steiner is a lot worse, but I think Cam Riley is worse than Austin Keys. I think Cam Riley is worse than Demario Tolan, and I think Cam Riley is worse than Robert Woodyard. It's my opinion. Um, you know, put Cam Riley at edge, put him at Jack if if you know if you have to. But I just don't think he's good. I don't think he's good in the middle. Again, you know, weak side linebacker. Kind of talked about that. You can't have every guy be a you know a roaming sideline to sideline. You know. Linebacker, somebody's got to go in there and freaking hit guys in the mouth and clog up holes sometimes, you know. Um, and Cam Riley's just not that guy. So Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner, I think, are also trending down. Um, some other guys, Jason Jones. We'll talk about this in a second with bad takes. He's not good. Jason Jones is not good, okay? If you watch, go watch last year, go watch the 8A game, you see a 6'6", 330-pound, nose tackle get moved around how is that how that is the one thing that he should be able to do is just put his feet in the ground and stand there okay and he can't do it um rogers is obviously taking his is taking his role and then i think you're going to have other guys like you know zyke walker and jason jones do not necessarily have the same role right lawrence johnson the purdue transfer we've got some other guys i just i can't imagine a world where Jason Jones is getting the majority of reps at a, you know, interior defensive line position. Um, like my dream scenario is basically where you have like Justin Rogers, then Marcus Harris, then, you know, maybe like a Zyke Walker, and then you have a Jack, right? That's kind of my dream scenario. So we'll see what happens. But his stock is down because, again, I don't think he got any better, and I didn't think he was good to begin with. And I think, you know, Justin Rogers coming in is better than him. And we have other guys that I'd rather play over him. Um, let's see. I got two more deals here with trending down. I guess three. But uh, next on the list is going to be receivers. I don't think anybody got better. I didn't hear anything from spring ball. I didn't see anything from videos that we could watch. We could talk about the quarterbacks not being great. It's, you know, whatever. We can talk about a new system getting put, you know, put in place. Sorry, I mean, Camden Brown is the only guy, you know, Javaris Johnson is fairly reliable, I think, but he's small, so he's, you know, it's kind of pigeonholed as far as the impact he can have on an offense in totality. Um, Coy Moore, you know, Nick Mardner, Landon King, Malcolm Johnson got hurt, Jay Farrow, Omari Kelly. Where did Omari Kelly go, right? Like, made a couple of plays last year. I haven't heard his name once, really, all spring. Where do these guys go? You know, Chick Dawson, great example. Why, 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 why can't something happen? Why can't any of these guys 
separate themselves other than Camden Brown and maybe Javaris Johnson. So trending down, man. I don't think Nick Martin's good as a transfer. Um, most of what I heard about him in the spring was dealing with drops, and then I didn't see anything at A-Day that, you know, that showed me anything otherwise. So receivers trending down. Quarterbacks. Don't to spend too much time on this, okay? You know, again, T.J. Finley's not good. Robbie Ashford struggles throwing the football, and, you know, Holden Garner couldn't seize an opportunity this spring. So that's not good, okay? And then the last one here, trending down, too many safeties. Like, I talked about it with, you know, kind of a, in a more of a positive light and potentially pushing Puckett out a little bit in terms of, like, snaps. But how in the world you've got Austin Osbury, you've got Marquise Gilbert, Craig McDonald, you've got Zion Puckett, Jalen Simpson, Caleb Wooden, and Donovan Kaufman, all playing safety. And you've got two guys coming in, Terrence Love and C.J. Johnson. It's just too many safeties, man. Like, that's that's trending down. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, uh, you know, I acknowledge that. But there's too many safeties. We have too many scholarship safeties. Nobody's entered the portal yet. It's, it's It has to happen, okay? Too many safeties. It just, it's irritating. Okay. Oh, man. I've got like four more things. I'm going to rip through it real fast. Wife's on the way home. Here we go. Biggest needs for porthole season, okay? Here's number one, tight end. That's a joke, okay? Just seeing if you're paying attention. Not tight end. We don't need any tight ends. Here's number one, quarterback, okay? Shouldn't have to dive in too much of this. That's number one biggest need in the portal, in portal season. We'll talk about it more in a second with dumbest takes, but we need a quarterback, okay? Don't, shouldn't have to go any further than that. Next biggest need, wide receiver two. We need a Z receiver, all right? Camden Brown's going to play the X. We've got slot receivers. We need a Z receiver, another outside receiver. They can stretch, kind of blow the top off, you know, run routes, catch football. Shouldn't be super complicated. We're going after a few guys, but we need that. And we need a jack. In my opinion, you either get a difference-making, you know, grad transfer or guy with one season, or you get – hey, get a guy with three years left and let him compete with Keldrick and Brenton uh, Williams, right? I don't see a huge issue with that, with Elijah McAllister definitely, you know, this being his last year. So those are the two kind of options there at the jack, jack position. Those are by far the three biggest needs in the portal, all right? Um, I kind of broke this down into also, like, nice-to-haves. Oh, wife's home. All right, here we go. Finishing up this thing, we got um, – in the portal, all right, we talk about biggest needs. We've got nice-to-haves, okay? Right guard. Um, it seems like you've got Dylan Wade at left tackle. You've got Jeremiah Wright at left guard. You've got Avery Jones at center. You've got a, kind of a gap at right guard, and then you've got Gunnar Britton at right tackle, okay? At right guard, to me, you kind of have three guys – you know, jockeying for that position. You've got Cam Stutz, an upperclassman who finally kind of broke into the the starting rotation last season predominantly. Um, you've got Tate Johnson who started a little bit last year, obviously more at center or only at center, and now he's getting snaps at, at the guard position. And then you've got, um, you know, the true freshman Connor Liu who got some, got some, you know, snaps there this spring as well, okay? I don't think Kim Stutz is bad. Again, we talked a little bit about it with the A-Day stuff. 
Um, I think he is not great in pass protection, which again, we've talked about interior pass rush and for the quarterback, it's not great. So um, look, the, the thing again, it's a, it's a nice to have because if you could get a bona fide, you know, there's the, there's a guy from Wyoming who would be a bona fide starter SEC, you know, interior offensive lineman at right guard would be, uh, you know, if he came in and I think he's going to go to USC, but if he came in, I think our offensive line would be freaking, <laughs> I don't know. It would be hard for me to like be realistic about how good our offensive line could be. Cause I would think they'd be really good. Uh, there's this other guy from Tulsa, you know, where our offense coordinator came from, where our left tackle came from, who could potentially slide in that guard. You know, he was a tackle for them. Um, could be a swing tackle for us if he's not going to slide into guard or potentially could slide into guard. So we'll see kind of what happens there. But it's a nice to have because I don't think it's essential. I think we could get by with the guys that I named. Um but I think it would be something that would be really, really good that could like elevate us. You know what I mean? Um, the other thing, the kind of the number two position here, nice to have is a swing tackle, another offensive lineman. Um, a swing tackle being somebody, basically your third offensive tackle. Okay, I think right now that's probably Xavier Miller. Um, you've got Garner Langlow over there at left tackle. Again, we talked about him as well. Um, both of these players, you know. Um, for the 8A podcast, I like them. I like them both. I think Xavion Miller is really athletic. Um, but if you could get, again, this guy from Tulsa, um, Jaden Muskrat, okay, guy kind of was mentioning for that for that interior position as well. You get a guy like that, he's the first one there um, kind of off the bench. And maybe if you have like kind of a unbalanced or overload type type setup there maybe he's the third tackle that comes in to to you know in like short yardage packages or things of that nature the, the third tackle plays okay your swing tackle plays um so it's pretty important really it's kind of like the six man you know um in your basketball rotation so if we snagged like a Jaden muskrat i think that would be really helpful okay for our offensive line so a swing tackle would definitely be a nice to have another nice to have and this might be a little um not controversial because it's not a, you know, it's backup positions. It's not a huge deal, but maybe some people aren't thinking this way. A middle linebacker. <laughs> I mean, you know, we brought in two with Austin Keys and Demario Tolan. Um, you know, again, you have the emergence of Robert Woodyard, but man, I just think if, if there was a guy and there's a guy who just entered from Notre Dame, who I think, you know, literally having not watched one snap of him play, and I think he's listed at like 212 pounds, but I think that's inaccurate. But just literally by his neck, his shoulders, and his biceps, he looks like a guy that could hit an interior offensive lineman in the face. Okay, so um, again, we're not talking about specific players because I'm not going to waste my time breaking down players entering the portal before they commit or sign or both with us. Um, but I think if there was a middle linebacker that could be a true thumper like that's the only thing that he does I think that would be really helpful for our defense okay um and then kind of the last nice to have would be an experienced secondary player so a guy with one year left that wouldn't stunt the growth of any of the guys that we're going to bring in because uh, Wesley McGriff coaching the corners and Zach Etheridge coaching the safeties they're going to continue to stock that secondary group uh, with talent until Zach Etheridge leaves to have a defensive coordinator role or whatever um, but a, an experienced secondary player, and I don't care where that is, outside corner, um, a safety that could roll down and play the nickel, but somebody that is experienced that's really, really good that might be more talented than like a Zion Puckett or other 
other players, you know, in, in our secondary at whatever position, if McGriff, you know, Etheridge, obviously Ron Roberts and Hugh Freeze all kind of sign off on a guy because he could be potentially that impactful, that would be a really good nice to have. And that would take a secondary that I think is posed to be pretty damn salty and put them over the top to be maybe the best group in the conference. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you got like a true starting caliber, beat everybody out at his position, secondary player, probably at safety, um, with to go with along with the experience we have at corner with the newcomers we have uh, and at safety as well. I mean, that we could have the best secondary in the entire conference if we got a guy like that. And I don't know if there's any guys in the portal, but that's just, you know, kind of a nice to have from Auburn's position. Okay. All right. We've got kind of two more things here. The last list um, that I have for tonight is dumbest takes. All right. I think this is pretty fun. This is obviously kind of tongue in cheek and a little bit rude, um, but that's okay. Dumbest takes that I've heard throughout this like spring season from various outlets, whether it's, you know, other, um, you know, whether it's, you know, kind of beat writers, websites, podcasts, Twitter, uh, rumblings on message boards from just regular fans, what have you. Okay. Just things that I've seen in circulation that I think are really, really stupid. Here's the number one dumbest take. They were going to bring in two quarterbacks in the portal. How? How? How would you bring? Like, there's kind of an overarching theme to this where it's like, I think when fans of a particular program think about the portal, it's like we just completely disregard the fact that these players are usually, in, and I've, I've ranted about this before, but they're usually in the portal for a specific reason of looking for a better opportunity to get on the field now. How could you – who – what second quarterback would you bring in? Because they're not going to come in at the same exact time, okay? So if you bring in two, that means one's coming in and then the other one's coming in after the other one comes in. And the only way feasible – I mean, even if we lost – two quarterbacks from our current roster. So say TJ and Robbie transfer somehow or TJ and Holden. Okay. And then we bring in two quarterbacks. It still wouldn't make sense for that second quarterback. Okay. Because one of Robbie and Holden are going to be on our team this fall. Okay. One of them are going to be there. And both of them have a lot of eligibility left. Okay. And if you're a transfer quarterback, even if you have multiple years of eligibility left, you are not going to be the second guy to come in, all right, in a transfer uh, in a transfer class. If it's like a grad transfer and you're the second guy to come in, I mean, unless you're literally guaranteed to be the starter, I don't see how I don't see how that's possible. And if I mean, I don't know, I just don't see how that could possibly work outside of literally. There's one scenario: two quarterbacks, and by the way. TJ can leave whenever probably because he's going to be a grad transfer, but Robbie or Holden have to leave. They have to get in the portal before the portal closes in five days. Okay. So for us to get two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks have to leave. One of those guys is going to be TJ. So Robbie or Holden have to be in the portal in the next five days. All right. And TJ has to leave. All right. So two quarterbacks have to leave. And the other thing is one quarterback has to commit to us like a maybe an underclassman or at least not a grad transfer, um, you know, sometime relatively soon. And then 
you know, a Grayson McCall, right? Because that's the elephant in the room. I'll cover that in a second. A grad transfer that he graduates, you know, and, and you get word of it in June or something, and then he comes in as well, presumably to be the for sure starter, right? That would be the only scenario. If we lost two quarterbacks, we get a quarterback committed during this kind of regular portal window before whatever spring semester or summer semester starts like in the first of June. And then a grad transfer comes in at whatever time, because they can do that. that will be the only scenario possible. There's just no way that's going to happen. All right. There's no way that's going to happen. Number one, dumbest take. Number two, Jason Jones is good. Jason Jones is not good. I've literally heard people say that he's good. Why? How do you have that opinion? He's not good. I've, I've covered it earlier. I probably don't have to, you know, bang on that too much harder, but how, how how have I heard somebody talk or read some something on the internet, okay, that somebody had that opinion? I, it blows my mind. So that's number two. Um, number three. Oh, man, this is a fun one. The emergence of Marcus Harris and Marcus Harris's versatility specifically pushed Jace, or, uh, Jeffrey Imba out into the transfer portal. N- no. No. <laughs> No, there's a lot here. So one is there's a new scheme. Okay. So, you know, it's like the, the thing that I've seen is like Marcus Harris showed in spring practice to this new coaching staff that he has the ability to like, you know, be impactful more on the, in the defensive end role. Well, the defensive end role is a three technique, four I five technique. Okay. Like that's the defensive end role. This is, this is at the end of the day, the essence of this def- defensive scheme is an odd front, okay? If you have a true odd front, if we're talking 3-4, we can even talk, you know, 3-3-5, three, three, whatever, but the true odd front would be a nose tackle, head up the center, two defensive ends, okay? Head up the tackles, and then you have outside linebackers kind of in nine techniques, and then two inside linebackers that play in the gaps um, kind of head up the guard, right? That's kind of the just generic odd front type of look. So when we say defensive end, you know, again, if you think it, you're really talking about two five techniques. Now, one of those defensive ends could slide outside of the tackle to like a strong side defensive end. The nose tackle could shot sh- like kind of slide to like a shade nose. And that other five technique defensive end could slide inside to like a four eye. And then you have the jack linebacker on that side. Okay. At the end of the day, that's kind of the role that we're talking about here. You've got a big handful of guys that can all play that role. Marcus Harris, Masili, let's see here. Messiah, Nasili Kite being the two best. You've got like Zykevis Walker. You've got some Lawrence Johnson a little bit in there. And then you've got you've got guys coming in, Bobby Travis from, from JUCO. And you've got um, Deron Reed coming in as a true freshman, okay, that I think are all going to kind of fill in that spot. You've also got like Wilkie Denod. You've got some Tobecchio Coley. So, um you got you got guys. Jeffrey Emba, the reason he transferred, the reason he lost his job is cuz he wasn't good. It's it, it like we didn't we didn't just uncover this thing about like Marcus Harris's versatility and then we slid him like no, like Marcus Harris was going to play that position. Messiah Nasili Kite was going to play that position. Jeffrey Harris was going Jeffrey Emba was going to be tasked with beating out those guys or at least beating out Messiah and Asili Kite for like number two in reps at that particular position. All right. That's just a really, that's, I've heard that. It's really, really dumb in my opinion. You've got to understand, understand more like nuance in 
scheme and how people are being slotted in on this defensive front uh, to not to not think that way. All right, here we go. There's two more. Okay, number four, Robbie Ashford has zero chance to be successful. This is more of a message board thing. People are just you know they're so smart on message boards and they're so dismissive of people's talent. Guys that have you know exponential. Well, and it, look, it's not fair. We are fans. We know what our place is, but. It's like, it's just so weird to me that guys can be so critical. Um, and look, I've been critical and I'm going to be critical and I, you know, it is what it is, but it's like guys are so critical of Robbie Ashford. And again, I've been critical of Robbie Ashford, but to say that he's got zero chance of being successful when we've got Hugh Freeze, Phil Montgomery, um, gosh, I can't remember the other, the like specific quarterback coach's name, Kent Austin. Uh, we've got a scheme now that's, that's kind of built around having a quarterback that can be more of a playmaker. Um, as opposed to like just a game manager, like living and operating strictly within a system. Hugh Freeze's offense and Philip Montgomery's offense is designed to have a little bit of like, you know, your quarterback has some built-in ways to to work outside the system. I mean, an RPO system at the end of the day is putting all the decisions in the quarterback's hands and letting everything be open. Um, Robbie is an, you know, look, we don't have to go super deep into it. He's a very good athlete. He struggles with accuracy and like pure technique of throwing the football. He's got all summer, okay, to work through some of these things and develop some some more refined whatever it is, okay? His passing motion. I mean, nobody's going to sit here and be a, be a, you know, nobody who says anything about Robbie Ashford right now because the the guys who know what they're talking about don't care because Robbie Ashford is not an NFL quarterback right now he's not a potential NFL quarterback right now nobody's looking at him and like breaking it down with any real information the guys that are talking about it don't know what they're talking about including myself in terms of like being able to look at his throwing motion look at his mechanics look at his footwork whatever and be able to like diagnose what specific issues are and how to fix them Ken Austin okay Hugh Freeze Phil Montgomery they have a way better chance of doing that. If they give him kind of a list of things and coach him up, obviously they were in spring and, and like, here's what to do this summer. Who knows what can happen? Okay. I'm not saying he's going to, you know, we'll talk about this in a second. I'm not saying he's going to get way better and we're going to win 10 games with him as a starter quarterback. What I am saying is, is to say that he's got zero chance of being a successful quarterback, especially in our system is, is extremely ignorant, arrogant, and unfounded in my opinion. You know, is it fair to say that if he's our quarterback, our our ceiling this year is seven to eight wins, but and that that means that next year maybe we could win nine games? I think that's fair. Is it fair to say that if he's our quarterback, we're only our ceiling is five games to win this year? No, not fair. I still think there's a there's a scenario, there's a world where he can be a good quarterback. Okay. Last point. Upperclassmen who haven't been good yet are going to be good now for some reason. Okay. I can list them off just, you know, off the top of my head. All right. You've got receivers, right? I mean, even Javaris Johnson is kind of in this category a little bit. Like, yeah, we all think he's pretty good. Has he ever had more than, you know, 30 catches? I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. Um, with his position, he should have 40 to 50 catches. Like, he should get open and catch the ball. Now, there's scheme, and there's quarterback, and there's offensive line, and I get all that, okay? He's not even the person that I'm really thinking of, but it's just it's one of those examples. Coy Moore, like, look, he was pretty good last year. 
Is he going to be a solid number two receiver in an S in the SEC where your number two receivers usually like a decent draft pick? No. Um, what about, you know, again, we talked about Jason Jones, Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner, um, you know, Neopriah Pritchett a little bit, although I think he's still got a chance. Zion Puckett is in this category. Um, and look, I haven't seen a ton of this, but to think that, of course, and this is completely <laughs> contradictory to what I just said about Robbie, but quarterback is special. Um, this just, again, I just, I hear people, you know, the three guys that really stand out to me are Jason Jones, Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner. Again, you know, I know those guys aren't good, okay? I know there's some other guys on the team that have been here a little while that, that aren't good that people just kind of always assume they're decent, and I just don't think so. Again, look, that was my that was my lowest ranked out of five dumbest takes, okay? Oh, man. Am I doing good on time? Well, decent. I have one more thing, all right? And this is a... I'm calling this, I'll leave you with this, all right? So maybe that's what I'll do from now on is kind of have a, I'll leave you with this at the very end of my of my deal here. Here's what I got. If a Grayson McCall, all right? I said I was going to kind of come back and touch on some of this. Now look, the caveat with Grayson McCall on Instagram, and I know how this sounds. This is something I saw on a message board, Okay. On Instagram, he had a thing on his story, I think at some point, where it was like, stay out of my phone, I'm, I'm not leaving, I'm staying here, right? So even if he graduates, doesn't necessarily mean he's transferring to us, right? Even if he gra- graduates and transfers, doesn't mean he's transferring to us, all right? So I think to make assumptions on that is, is not the way you want to play this. But if a Grayson McCall or some high-level quarterback lands with us, all right, and I think it's it probably had to be a, a grad transfer or just a guy with only one year left, right? If a Grayson McCall type quarterback or some high-level quarterback lands with us before the season, all right, then we have a chance. Probably not a great chance, but a chance. If we do not, we have to ride this year out. Hugh has to land a top 12 class attack the portal again, and gear up for 2025 because that's when his guys have some development and the schedule sets up better, all right? Odd year schedules for us right now, that's the time to, to, to take advantage. You get Alabama and Georgia at home. Nobody's scared to go to Texas A&M. Going to LSU, I think, you know, we kind of broke the curse or whatever. I just think, look, it's a tough place to play, but that just, for whatever reason, okay, Teams come and go, rosters flip, coaching staffs, etc. But there are some, you guys know what I'm talking about. Why do we have so much success in, in, in College Station? I have no clue. Why, do the, why does the Auburn LSU game always end up being wacky? I don't know, but it does. And again, rosters change, coaching staffs, etc. Things change, but some of these things, they just kind of last. I don't know why that is, okay? But if you say, I've got to go to Baton Rouge, i got to go to College Station, but I get Georgia and Alabama at home, those are the years, in my opinion, that we've got a chance. If you're going to Georgia and to Alabama right now with the state of those two programs, especially Georgia, that's going to be a tough year to do anything. Next year, we're going to Georgia, to Alabama, and we're going to have a lot of youth, okay? Going to have a lot of young players. 2025, that means that Hugh Freeze is quarterback, you know, Walker White, presumably could be in the system as a second-year guy. 
and you've got a lot of his guys, okay, that they're bringing in. 2025 has got to be the year. Either way, really, okay? If we brought in a stud quarterback and we get a receiver and we get a jack linebacker, we do have a chance. Again, I said probably not a great chance, but it's a slim chance that anything kind of could happen this year. I mean, look, if you got a Grayson McCall, and again, I already said it's not likely, but I'm just saying, if you get a Grayson McCall type, you got a, a Z receiver, maybe this guy from TCU, maybe this guy from Colorado, there's a guy from Notre Dame. If you get a Jack linebacker, you know, the guy from Cincinnati could help or the guy from Old Dominion, I think, could help, right? The guy from Old Dominion, I think it's from Old Dominion, but I think he's a stud, Ikwu or something like that. You get three guys like that, hell, you get a right guard too. I mean, that could be kind of all it takes here to make a run next year. And I'm talking about nine, ten wins. And I know how that sounds, but I'm just – if you got a really good quarterback, you know, it could happen. So – but if we don't and we kind of run it with Robbie Gariner, Hank Brown, maybe a, another transfer that has – I don't know why you would do it really, but multiple years of eligibility, I don't know then it, this year is what it is. Next year is going to be tough as well. And then 2025 has got to be the year. Okay. Wanted to leave you with that. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I had fun going through it. I always do. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, y'all be good.